Yes. Hello. Yes. Welcome to the read down. This is your weekly progressive political hot take by the Stonewall Democratic Club. And on tonight's episode, we are going to be reading down the the VP pick. It happened. And we're so excited to be here on this historic night. We're also going to try to yeah. touch on Russian interference 2.0, stealing an election 10 weeks out, our shared panic attacks. But it's going to be mostly positive. You'll mm. wait and see. We're going to read the library or we're going to open the library to read the GOP for filth while giving you the rundown on all of the latest 2020 developments. My name is Jonathan Welch. I am your host this evening. I'm joined by my co-panelists, Ryan Basham and Alex Mohajar. And we have a special guest this evening. Uh, I'm going to give it over to Alex because he knows all of her credits. <laughs> oh. It's Ebony Murphy Root, ladies and gentlemen. Ebony is one of the members of the Stonewall Leadership Cohort, the first generation of the Stonewall Democratic Club's leadership team program. She is a board member of Bitch Media and a board member of the Heart of LA Democratic Club. And she is a teacher and she is all sorts of fabulous. Please welcome Ebony Murphy Root. Welcome, Ebony. Yes. Thank you so much for having me today. I'm so excited to be here with yeah. you. If you could have a longer resume though, that'd be great. Hmm, what else about me? I'm very proud. She's like, yes. well, I'm happy and, you asked. Uh, yeah, hey. <laughs> Listen, I am thrilled I, to have I, another New Englander on the show. So, Ebony, it's great to see you and great yeah. to have you. Um, we are going to get right into it because we were going to... Th this episode originally was going to be uh, a glimpse into the darkest annals of my brain. Uh, <laughs> and basically my biggest fears. But today we got the news. We got very good news on the Democratic side that Vice President, former Vice President Joe Biden selected California Senator, former Attorney General and San Francisco DA Kamala Harris... 55 years yeah. old from Los Angeles as his running mate. Uh, Kamala is the first black woman and first Asian American woman to be on a major party ticket. Uh, she is only the second democratic woman to run for vice president. And she's somebody that I think we all kind of suspected may have earned this mantle. Uh, this is just such an exciting time. I want to get right into it because I've been shaking for hours. I'm just you like thrilled about it. it I don't know who okay. put an angry sign up, but we don't have space for that. Okay. We're not yeah. doing that. I'm going to give it over to Ebony because she's first of all, wearing a Kamala shirt. I want to know Woo! your feelings. I uh, have been supporting Kamala since March of last year. And uh, when she dropped out, I was super sad. It was a day I was visiting uh, Julian Castro, uh, who was doing a lunch in, in LA when I got the news. And then uh, I just I just have been rooting for Kamala this whole time, Kamala for VP. When people said Susan Rice, I said, nope. Her nope. Uh, Republican son is a wingnut, wasn't gonna be him or, <laughs> or her. Right. And uh, it wasn't going to be Stacey Abrams because she she didn't win in Georgia. And I love her, too, but it wasn't going to be her. It had to be a senator or a governor um, or a congressperson. But I didn't think it would be a congressperson. I just I just had a feeling. So uh, I, I'm, I'm really excited today. This is this is yeah. big for K-Hive. Yeah, the K-Hive is back. Um, this is With a vengeance. It is, real. it is real. The you joyful know. warriors. We yeah. Are yeah. I have that too. You know, I'll note that uh, so many people, Kamala was not able to get a huge um, 
excitement base of support during the primaries, which was very interesting because the second she dropped out in December, she, before she, the, that this debate that was in December, if you'll recall, all of a sudden there was this insurgency of disappointment when people finally realized that you had just like failed to support any mm -hmm. bit of diversity on the Democratic field. And Kamala's absence was so felt after she dropped out and people started to immediately regret it, which made me feel like, hello, like, what do you think this primary is about? You yeah. got to support the candidates that you want to see up there. And yeah. if you want to see uh, women of color and you want to see diversity in the Democratic field, you got to support them in primaries. Yeah. But here we are. What an electric choice. I think it is just pumped a whole infusion of electricity and excitement into this race, which has felt so like existential dread and just negative and fucking frightening for all get out. And all of a sudden there's just this electricity surging through social media totally. has exploded today and i am just so pleased with this choice because no matter what your feelings are about kamala harris or what russian talking points you've been uh uh chomping down to down to the nub in on social media kamala harris is a public servant she is a distinguished public servant who has served us well in california and she will make an excellent vice president and i'm just so pleased for what history we are making by yet another uh, uh, Democratic ticket now where we have the opportunity to make history. So don't fuck it up. Mm. America. She, she America. Was, <laughs> yeah, she was a great attorney general as well. And I think um, it would be a mistake to look at what happened during the primary as some kind of sign that there's an issue with her, with how she can excite the base. I mean, the only she she ended up out of the primary because of timing, because of some poor campaign management that was not her management of the campaign. There were just a couple, a series of events that that made her wash out right at the wrong time. It a wasn't about the unfortunate events. Yeah, yeah a series yeah. of unfortunate events. It, it's not as if Let it's not as if there it. was never a market for a Kamala Harris national campaign of some kind. It's not that. It was just a series of unfortunate events. And I, I think um, the 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 unbuyer's remorse. I think Joey Reid referred to it as earlier today is totally mm. real. Mm -hmm. There uh, the there are tons of people uh, who who wished she had been in the race. I even remember watching um, SNL the week after she dropped out and 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 like they were you know I think my, it, 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 it was <laughs> it was like exactly it was like such like that was when it became That's real for me, quote, like by oh the way that was the snl quote Sorry. yeah that was that yeah. was that was maya rudolph <laughs> uh, <laughs> as kamala harris which um you but, know, though, Ryan, I wanted to say that, like, you were talking about the market for Kamala Harris's um, candidacy, and I think that they're actually, we did see a huge market for that when she announced she drew a crowd of about 20,000 to downtown Oakland uh, for her announcement. Yeah. Huge crowd. Huge. We hadn't seen that at that point in uh in the primary cycle so really she was one of the first like most exciting candidates that we had seen um what happened i think was that there were so many people and so many voices that it actually became very hard for somebody mm -hmm. to rise to the top she did have her moments in fact after uh the first and second debates her polling numbers were far ahead of anybody else in the field. So I think it just, it was a roller coaster that kind of naturally happened with everybody else yeah. um, in the field. And we ended up with, of course, Joe Biden, who I think a lot of people felt was going to be the nominee all along. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, she also already 
had a national profile and there were a lot of people in the race who didn't. And I think there was a curiosity about all the 15 bajillion people. And so they're different, different people popped at different times and it took away from the focus that would have been on Kamala had she, had she not been a shiny new object, but for the hardcore politicos who were already paying attention, she was kind of a known entity, which now I think is an asset because I'm glad we don't have to spend the next 80 something days educating the hardcore politicos across the country about Kamala Harris. We've already got that built in advantage. Now we can use political awareness of Kamala to help educate the rest of America on who Kamala is, why she's a fucking badass, and why we should get behind her. Well, Tiffany J says she had a feeling Kamala would be the running mate and she is here for it. And so am I. Yeah, I think I think really any of the shortlisted candidates that were up in, in the running for this position would have been excellent. But there is something that is just very electrifying about the fact that it's Kamala. And if you've ever watched her grill people in Senate uh, mm -hmm. hearings, it is a sight to behold. And I cannot wait to watch her in a vice presidential debate with lame-o Mike Pence. It's I oh my God. No. And I internally, think he, yeah. internally, real quick, internally, there were reports that the Trump uh, political operation was most nervous about a Kamala Harris vice presidential pick. And I think that that's, that's for well good they should be. She is a smart, sharp, quick, and, and no-nonsense uh, really wonderful U.S. Senator, and she's going to do it. Okay. okay, but how, what, what's your, the over-under on now that she's been picked, Pence being dumped from the ticket? In favor of Nikki Haley? Who, Nikki Ivanka? Haley, I think. Well, there is oh, speculation. God. Help us Trump, all. Today, Trump today's, his response today to this was that uh, they asked him about Kamala as the pick, and his response was merely, well, I certainly like Mike Pence more than Kamala. Mike Pence is a great guy, which was an odd thing to say. Mm -hmm. And there is speculation that he, uh, the Pence camp, the Pence camp is silently very nervous that he's going to get dumped. As they should be. Which, well, right. Trump's all about the news bit, right? Trump is all about the getting the headline and let, let's get some quick headlines and dumping him and having somebody new pumped into it would surely be electrifying for the Republican base. And it so. would be pitting one AAPI woman against another. I, I can see that being like a last ditch effort. I mean, did you see the commercial that the, that the Trump campaign dropped as soon as the announcement came out, trying to pin Kamala to the radical left? It's yeah. It's like, like they can't no. really come up with an attack line that'll <laughs> stick to Biden. No. And I think they're going to try and make this stick to Kamala, but it's like, I mean, I think anybody who pays attention is like, I mean, it's not like Kamala is the most progressive person in the world. I mean, this is a pretty moderate ticket. I don't think it's going to stick. Well, this is probably, this is the most progressive ticket that we've actually seen in American history 100%. Uh, so far. And, you know, yes. when we label it as moderate, I think that that's unfair because there are a lot of progressive policy positions that, that they have worked on continually. And when Kamala had her own campaign, it was very far to the left. It was just, yeah. you know, next to Sanders and Warren in terms of if you were to, to, rated on that spectrum. So, you know, it, it is progressive and that's something that we shouldn't shy away from. But at the same Agreed. time, Agreed. It, it helps to rebuild that Obama coalition in yeah. part because, you know, you do have a woman of color, but also you have someone who was well known during the Obama administration. She didn't serve in the Obama administration, but she certainly appealed to a lot of the same people who, um, who got behind Obama and Biden. So I think it's kind of a natural choice in a lot of ways do we does anybody have any apprehensions about this should we hash this out i'm feeling overwhelmingly positive but let's just keep it up right no apprehensions <laughs> I, on this I, I think it's i, I, I have 
I don't feel apprehensive either. And um, I'll say, hey, look, we've got a lot of comments rolling in. So maybe we can uh, read some of our user comments. A lot of people, a lot of people are chiming in today. And by the way, if you uh, like what you're hearing, leave us a comment and we will read it on air and uh, we'll bat around with you. Uh, yeah, so we'll, we'll bring you see. into the fold. Tim Person, Cam mm. Kamala versus Pence. Utter devastation for the GOP. Um, let's see. Uh, Mackenzie Hussman, Kamala 2020. I've been on her, the Kamala train from the start. Um, all right, so what... Let's see what else. Uh, how soon can Biden and Harris start going after them every day? Says Amy. Like, let's Biden. start with yesterday would be great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They, they are. They are. And, and by for the those way, Ebony, you... you're getting a lot of love, Ebony. I mean, a lot of yeah. love. Yeah. We've got Rebecca. We've got Meg Noble. <laughs> We've got Ruth. Hi, friends. <laughs> Annie <laughs> and Marie Yes. Person. Hey. K-Hive is showing up. Luana Ferreira, Tiff J, you've got a lot of love tonight. So it's really pretty exciting. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some more thoughts on Kamala. Uh, Luana Ferreira says that she made a grilled sandwich (laughs) at Kavanaugh, which is so true. So true. uh, I also want to take a second to me, but I don't know who it is. (laughs) There we go. An anonymous user. I want to say that, uh, that if we can all remember kind of some of Kamala Harris's best moments, and I should have created a video compilation of this for tonight's episode. Oh, right. Because we had so much time. Yeah. Let's remember. (laughs) I was just like shaking and crying all day, but let's, uh, let's not forget that she was the person who made Jeff Sessions say, you're making me very nervous. Did she really? I missed that. (gasps) Oh my God. One of my favorite moments. And so so if you're looking forward to the vice presidential debates, of course, the vice presidential debates, um, are scheduled. There is one vice presidential debate that's scheduled for October 7th. And then there are three presidential debates. Let's talk for a moment about um we were talking about the trump campaign response we were talking about how he may or may not dump mike pence from the ticket he only has about a week and a half if that's what he wants to do before his own convention um (laughs) but the trump campaign has asked for more debates do we feel that that is the sign of a campaign that is confident uh in what they are presenting to the american people the loser wants more debates yes also, yeah, it's not like they have a plan. You know, they, 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 they yeah. That's it. Yeah. It's over. He wants yeah. to have more time on stage and screen to like throw as much lambastic, psychotic shit at the walls as he can to help muddy the waters and, and, and mm-hmm. impugn and tag the integrity of our candidate. And, you know, why the hell would we? We don't need we don't need to debate you. And by the way, Hillary Clinton hum- humiliated you all three debates in 2016. You're asking for more. Sit down. Donald, just yeah, I think that. I we think, don't want Sprint and Joe to come out either. You know, Joe's got that Delaware old man strength, and uh, he's not going to let Trump, uh, you know, intimidate him at all. So uh, I don't think yeah. he knows what he's ready for. I think I think Trump has started to buy his own hype about the Sleepy Joe thing because Joe isn't actually sleepy, but I think Trump thinks he believes that it, he is now because he's just been saying it. Like at first, I think it was he's trying to be mean, but now he believes it. So I think he thinks that if he gets on the stage with Uncle Joe, he's going to wipe the floor with him somehow. I don't understand why he would think that. He can't. He can. He, what was it? The what was the national monument he couldn't even pronounce the other day? Yosemite. Yos- Yosemite. Come Man, on, camera. The Yosemite. Good Lord. 
I oh, you got it out I, of order. You got it out of order, no, Alex. You, you did not pass the test, okay? <laughs> yeah, man, woman, person, camera, TV? Tomato, tomato, potato, potato. Um, so I think that's how basically Biden should just answer any questions about his own mental competency from now until yes. November. And also, there is plenty of evidence. And this isn't just the progressive, like, I know I'm just on the left and I'm aggressive, but like, there is plenty of evidence that Donald Trump is cognitively uh, compromised. Plenty. 100%. There is 100%. a lot of weird video footage of him slurring his words and like- the ramp. There's the ramp, the way his foot drags when he walks. Uh, I mean, yeah. there is plenty of evidence that the man has. Some people online speculate. Now, I don't want to. Let's talk. So <laughs> there is plenty of evidence and video evidence online. And people on Twitter speculate that he may have had some sort of neurological episode at some point because he res mm. his symptoms resemble those of someone who's had a, a minor stroke. So, okay. you know, Trump is... Mm. The whole, I, I think this is one of the reasons nothing that Donald Trump uh, throws at the wall on Joe Biden has stuck. It's yeah. just people aren't buying it the same way they bought it. Everyone's like a picture of health. So, <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, that's the thing about, you know, Joe Biden's gaffes is like everyone can relate to something. Every once in a while, having had something come out of your mouth and been like, those were not my words. How did that happen? That's something anyone can relate to. But it, I mean, as someone who has made gaffes myself, like I can relate to that. It's happened before. Now, slurring my speech all the time, not being able to pronounce commonly used and universally known words, that is not a thing that happens to me unless I'm really drunk. That's the well, only way that's relatable. And Trump doesn't drink. So it's Apparently. all natural, all him. <laughs> Yeah. It's just Organic. too. It's too much diet coke. It's just too much. It's I mean, getting Donald, but, Ava, but, Ava but I point out that he has to drink water with both hands. He does, so, and that's and Ava. that is truly. I mean, like we are not medical professionals here on the Redown. Speak for yourself. <laughs> Doctor I've got a PhD Alex from WebMD, sir. Okay, okay, fair. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> wow. I, I mean, the amount of times I've spent on of time that I've spent on WebMD, I think I have basically everything. Mm. But I got um, my medical degree from Trump University. Mm. We but got a question from George Saylor: Is anyone worried about a huge Biden gaffe? He gets real comfortable with his words sometimes. No, no, no. And I think Kamala is a great person to be like. Look, this is Uncle Joe. <laughs> no, I mean, like she's the she's a great defender for this. I think she because she is so articulate, she's so specific, she's so great off the cuff. She can contextualize his gaffes if they come up in a way that is um, palatable. And also to give him a warning before, like, look, we're going to be around these people. We're going to be around these people. Don't say anything messed up. Yeah. And be a part of the you know process if like you know one thing something that I think someone I heard earlier say, made a great point earlier today is like you know he picked somebody who helps keep him honest helps keep him helps him he deliberately chose someone who makes him better that was the point they were making deliberately ch made that choice like I know I'm gonna get this wrong sometimes I'm gonna fuck it up and I want to have someone who is my number two who is not gonna be afraid to help me see that and help me fix it. Right. Rebecca, uh, we have a comment. Out. Yep. Yeah. Go on, Jonathan. I was just going to say that Rebecca says that Dan Quayle was <laughs> gaff extraordinaire and George H.W. Bush was still elected. Mm -hmm. So my, my thought on that, remember Murphy Brown? Um, yeah. the, remember Close Potato? Yeah. Yeah. What's and, Murphy uh, Brown? You don't remember uh, Murphy Brown? I'm okay. kidding. Okay. Joke. I thought of all the different. 
Let's do it. But I do, I'm a millennial. I I'm a millennial too, but I watched yeah, Murphy Brown. When I was like, Murphy Brown is, yeah, she so. was the first yeah. single mom on TV. It was a big Hello. Deal. That's right. She had she had her baby alone, and Dan Quayle made fun of that. And that backfired on the Bush quail campaign so much. I think when it comes to Biden, the other thing I think we have to remember is that Biden one on one is a very good debater. Go mm -hmm. back and look at Sarah Palin. Go back and look at Paul Ryan. Look at his debate with Bernie Sanders one on one. Uh, that happened just earlier in the spring. Like he is very good when it's a focused conversation back and forth. I am sure that he's going to have Ron Klain and everybody else working with him on his team, working mm. with him on debate prep. And, and Joe does, I feel like he does sometimes get a little flustered when he gets really heated, but th that's part of the debate prep. And the good, the great thing about the Biden camp versus the Trump camp is the Biden camp is full of people who are really good at helping you get better at dealing with your weak points. There are those, that kind of competency does not exist in the Trump campaign. We can't expect Trump to get any better than he is, which is, I guess, a benefit yeah. for us, yeah. but Biden still has room to grow and he can grow into it. And he has the people around him who will help him do it. Well, speaking of Sarah Palin, she did congratulate Kamala Harris on Instagram today with a really? very lengthy post in which she says that Kamala is climbing mm -hmm. upon her shoulders and Geraldine Ferraro's shoulders and from the most amazing view in her life and offers her some lessons. One being out of the shoot, trust no one, fight mightily to keep your own team with you, don't get muzzled, and uh, some more advice. Um, so... Thank you. I think that's the, about as good as I it comes from that. Sarah Palin, right? Yeah. Yeah. Woo. Yeah. So, <laughs> of course, Sarah it went Palin, really well for Sarah you. Palin once she got unmuzzled. Yeah. Well, she singularly tanked John McGain's campaign, but yes, you know. go back and watch. Um, what was it? Game Change? Game Change. Uh -huh. That's a good Game movie. Change. Great movie. Yeah. Um, you know, speaking of Geraldine Ferraro, the last time on a Democratic ticket uh, that we had a vice, a woman who was running as vice president was 1984 when Walter Mondale picked New York Congresswoman Geraldine Ferraro. But of course, since that time, we have had a woman on uh, on the presidential ticket when we nominated Hillary Clinton in 2016 as president. And one of the things that we had listed today for big Democratic energy is to discuss that uh, Maureen Dowd, a New York Times uh, editorial writer, uh, no, known very well for being a super fan of Trump, uh, decide, and definitely somebody who didn't like Hillary Clinton, wrote her column basically kind of saying that the last time we had a woman on the ticket was Geraldine Ferraro as though Hillary never existed. Hillary Clinton posted on uh, Twitter in response that she thought maybe Maureen, that she either was living through a fever dream with Tim Kaine or that Maureen had too much pot brownie, pot brownie. before <laughs> writing her column again. Um, is the media at it again? I mean, what are we facing right well, now? First of all, Let's it's talk about that. that. It's proof that no fuck Hillary Clinton is the best Hillary Clinton. The best oh, Hillary yeah. Clinton. Ebony, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. That's right. Just Mo Dowd has hated Hillary since the 90s, and I don't get it. And uh, I went to Catholic school. Maureen Dowd is a mean Catholic schoolgirl. And that, that's mm. it. We need to shut her down this time because this cannot, this cannot happen again. I feel like every time I hear her name, I think of Ann Dowd, who plays Aunt Lydia on The Handmaid's Tale. And I feel like in The Handmaid's Tale that, that Maureen Dowd would totally be Aunt Lydia. <laughs> like if that came to pass, like that would totally be her job and she would live for it. Women who hate other women. Yes. Yeah. And cattle and prod you know them. <laughs> and you know what? Honestly, 
the New York Times had to print not one, but two retractions in the tweet that accompanied that article. Uh, first, they had claimed that it was uh, the... I think the f- like first time I, they kept getting it wrong. And finally Hillary Clinton's response was like, uh, hi everyone. Remember when I made history first female major party nominee for president of the United States and Maureen Dowd laid bare her deep biases. And I got to say, I know I am not a woman, so I can never really understand what this like woman on woman crime is. But as someone who got deeply, uh, I consider myself a feminist and a feminist ally. And when I see that happen to me, it's really, it feels really frustrating. I can't imagine what um, what women might feel like, who especially in the political realm, who have a woman on woman crime like that. That is just so pointless and stupid. It's like Hillary stole the last Chardonnay or something like that. Like it doesn't seem <laughs> personal, you know? Yeah. yeah. Which yeah. if anybody yeah. would steal the last Chardonnay, it would probably be Hillary. She you know? But you know Chardonnay. what? If she took the last Chardonnay, she fucking deserved it. Okay. Yeah. Um, I yeah. feel like this is kind of like that, like that Tommy Laren syndrome where like I, all I can do is be a traitor to my own group of people in order to get somewhere in life. Like that's how I think, like I can't, like what, what else does she offer society other than being a woman hater as a woman? Yeah. That, that's kind of her note. It I is. I don't, I don't, yeah. There's always Gail Collins. We don't have to read Mo Dowd. That's true. And, you know, as far as the New York Times goes, sometimes their their editorial pitch is very uh, questionable, considering that they are considered the paper of record and also considered to be to the left of um, of most mainstream establishments. Um, so, you know, it's it's very uh, puzzling how they keep publishing that and publish like Tom Cotton's op-eds yes. and things like that. And they seek out these opinions. Uh, Barry Weiss is not someone who I ever agree with, <laughs> but when she left uh, the New York times, she, she wrote a long complaint on her blog about like how she personally felt attacked. But one of the things that I think stood out in that was that uh, the New York times does kind of look for these more um, controversial opinions. Like they're seeking controversy from the right versus kind of letting people go alex you seem like you have no we just got a comment from tiffany j that is just hysterical and she says tommy is currently on the <laughs> top of the ins- uh-oh is she she's hanging out with you know too many <laughs> maybe <laughs> ah is QAnon just like it's not going well for her anymore <laughs> I oh, want to no. move on. I want to move on to uh, while we're celebrating while we're celebrating black women. I want to celebrate another black woman in politics who did something really excellent in the past week. New York State Attorney General Letitia James yes. filed a lawsuit last week with the uh, intention of dissolving the NRA, kind of mm-hmm. citing that the NRA has and its leadership, including Wayne LaPierre, who has been at the head of the NRA for 39 years, has been pocketing member funds uh, for lavish vacations, embezzling money, kind of taking money and not doing anything with it as an advocacy organization. And that was sort of the root of that. Uh, I want to know from Ebony, what are your thoughts? Because you let out a cheer. What are your thoughts about the NRA and Tish James? Tish is amazing. Tish was the public advocate, which is really interesting to see her trajectory from public advocate to her current role. And she is another woman who has the right sort of shaking in their boots. And she's been plotting this. She said a year ago that she was going to do this and then she quietly did it. And I think that Wayne LaPierre and friends 
were shocked. He was he was on that boat last week hanging out, the boat with the staterooms and the chef and whatnot. And I think they were unprepared for this. So and how, how how could they have been unprepared though? Because they, you know, she forecasted this. She let them know that this was coming. How what kind of malpractice as a political organization do you have to be executing in order to have known a year ago this was coming and not have prepared for it? How well, do we maybe thing? think? Do we maybe think that uh, there's just kind of this thought process on the right that they are immune to any responsibility for the things that they're doing? Perhaps hubris, this is something. Hubris, hubris is what we would call it in uh, English class. Yeah, I think I think I think there's like in next to hubris in the dictionary is a picture of Wayne Lapierre. <laughs> Well, he's been doing this for 39 years. Listen, mm -hmm. you know, I, I think one of the most egregious things is that he has been living this lavish lifestyle and kind of um, not really taking the initial mission of the NRA, kind of like to fight for Second Amendment rights and and sort of kind of making everything extreme. So for the people who are losing their minds over the Second Amendment and saying that Letitia James was coming after the Second Amendment, that's just not... The case, she's coming after the fact that he stole your money for longer than I've been alive. They had so. a chance to expand to black folks, to expand Second Amendment rights, to, to widen their tent with what happened with the young man in, in Minnesota, right? That was their perfect chance to say, hey, we're not racist. We're going to defend your right to have a gun legally as well. And they didn't do that. And that was that that made it really clear to me what, what they were about. And you know who donated $30 million to help Donald Trump get elected in 2016? The NRA. You want to yeah. know why the Republican-led Trump administration takes no real action to stop the violence that happens in Las Vegas, the, the murders that are happening in schools, the murders that happened at, uh, at the, the high school in, in, in Florida. What's the name of the high school? Parkland High. Parkland High, who and, Brand and Brandon Parkland. Walsh was our guest Parkland. a few weeks yeah. back. Uh, you know, the reason that there is no meaningful action coming out of the Republican Party, the reason that Marco Rubio can go on stage on a gun forum with the victims of Parkland and refuse to commit to take not taking NRA dollars is because the NRA is A, uh, laundering money for the Russians, and B, is a subsidiary of the Republican Party. So it is time to get that money out of politics and to start saving lives. You can be pro uh, you can be pro the Constitution and also for meaningful gun reform in the United States. And I'll note that J uh, Joe Biden announced last week that he wants to re uh, re uh, pass the assault weapons ban that Bill Clinton mm. put into place in 1994, which expired in 2004 under George W. Bush. And I'll note that when that assault weapons ban expired in 2004, gun deaths tripled. So there were mm. many constitutional yeah. challenges to the assault weapons ban that were struck down. It is a constitutional uh, act that Joe Biden has promised to put into place on his first 100 days. And I can't wait because it's time. There's no reason we should have weapons of mass destruction on the streets of the United States of America. And, and let's be clear that we can be mad. The NRA sucks and the way that they what they do sucks. But also, if you're a member of the NRA, you should be pissed. Like if if Planned Parenthood's leadership was was pulling these kinds of shenanigans i would be pissed i most would be gun owners yeah. most gun owners support meaningful gun reform legislation yes just fyi right but also to see like really kind of the the bones of this lawsuit and the reason why attorney general james is trying to take down the nra is not because 
really of 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 gun rights it's because they are misappropriating funds and of course why why did they have all of that money to dump into the trump campaign and all of these right-wing campaigns it's just it it, it's we we know and we are going to learn so really that ends up being what it's about now i want to take i want to move on because we uh we have so much to get to. So I want to get to our big segment of the week, the weekly read down. It just kind of feels like all we should talk about is Kamala. Um, and we can certainly get, get back on the subject of Kamala. But what I want to talk about first, and this is kind of taking it again, down into the dark tubes of my brain uh, in kind of coming <laughs> up with the outline for this episode is that we found out uh, through through reporting uh, from U.S. intelligence that there is large-scale disinformation happening from Russia. Again, it is 2016, almost all over again. Um, the Trump director of national intelligence, the, the intelligence people who work for Trump are kind of bending to say that there are similar efforts by China and Iran, although um, most factual reporting will tell you that that's only a tiny fraction, if anything at all, it is mostly coming from Russia. So now that we do have our, our full ticket, uh, we are about to see a lot of things out there about Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. So uh, Get ready for it's a foot. Trolls. Right. So So basically, what are we going to do, guys? You know what? This really troubles me because I was a uh, ardent Hillary Clinton supporter. I worked for her campaign in 2016, and I did largely a social media uh, uh, affront in trying to get out the vote for her. And I saw firsthand the Russian misinformation campaign. The Russian misinformation campaign targeted the bros for Hillary. And we were notified by Twitter and social media that we were that that had happened. And I think it is a very sophisticated misinformation campaign where they use American narratives to pump into our social media feeds and then have progressives, people who agree with us, echo and regurgitate those talking points, ones that are highly disingenuous. And I'm gonna do this during my uh, library later, but let me just give you a tint. If you're seeing people online calling Kamala Harris a cop, question where that's coming from. If the Twitter handle is an egg or like 16 numbers at the end, be judicious. If you are parroting messaging that you are seeing on social media and that messaging is coming from strange social media accounts, question who's uh, line of thought and whose narratives you are parroting. And if you're parroting Russian narratives, maybe it's time to re-examine your viewpoints and where they were born, because this is a very sophisticated effort to make you believe lies and uh, mm. really just to parrot really bogus, really bogus, disingenuous attacks on these candidates that are, by the way, microaggressive, racist, misogynist, and really petty and dumb. So if you're already looking for an, uh, a, a confirmation bias of your disdain for a woman or a woman of color, you will find it in the Russian uh, talking points. So please be careful what you're parroting because what you're doing is divisive and harmful to the American electorate and to the candidate herself. And if you care about getting Donald Trump out, Please be judicious about what you are consuming on social media. Even my mother sends me like stuff that I'm like, mom, where did you even see that? Is that from a vetted news source? If it's not from a vetted news source, be very conscious of what you're reading and consuming and 
And by the way, I'll note, please challenge it when you see it and it's bogus. If it's not a vetted news source, challenge it. It is up to us to challenge it where we can. And I know that it feels like a big fight, but you do your part, I'll do mine. And if we all do our part, we're gonna try to combat this. There are more of us than the 200 Russian trolls sitting in a bunker in a military mm. bunker in Russia, 24 to 36 hour shifts, pumping fake news into your social media accounts. There's more than us, of us than them, but it's our job, all of us collectively to stand up. I also so, want to say that I think we got a comment from one of those bots when we started our broadcast today. So they're yeah, here. I think we might have. I think we, yeah. you know, one of the things. Also, one of the many things. I don't know is, say how, to, how to say "get lost" in Russian, but yeah, <laughs> we should all learn. Yeah. We should get T-shirts. One of the many things of the reporting on this in the last week and a half or so that that has really struck me is, um, in 2018, our military uh, did a cyber attack on said Russian bunker, and it effectively prevented them from doing some of their, you know, manipulative stuff. And Donald Trump was kept out of the loop on it. It was done below him. He didn't know. And I got to wonder, once he found out about it, was he mad? He probably didn't understand it. <laughs> was it given to him in, in writing and he can't read it? Why would he be mad? This is the same guy that failed to take any action when the Russians put bounties on, military, on American soldiers. Okay. Well, that's what I'm saying. Is, was he Trump mad that they did do something to Russia? Was he mad that his military did attack Russia? Probably. He's anti our intelligence community. He's anti-American. And like that is the most outrageous thing. This is supposed to be the party of like tear down that wall. And it's now the party of like, mm -hmm. eh, I'm going to let Trump Putin do whatever he wants. He's a very strong and powerful man. And by the way, I did learn how to say get lost in Russian. And it's Uber Ice, yeah? I like that. Ooh. And Ruth actually just shared that with us. So if we want to know the spelling, oh, all we need to yeah, do is copy and paste yeah. it. Just comment if I'm saying this right. Is it Uber Ice, yeah? Maybe not that I could read. Yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll figure delay. that out. Okay. It's disturbing, Tiffany says, how committed Russian intelligence is to pushing disinformation and undermining U.S. elections. Well, you know, Vladimir Putin's singular objective is to cause to destabilize Western democracies because it strength mm -hmm. strengthens Russia. And yeah, so Russia's he's not just only, doing it here. No, he's doing it everywhere. And let me be clear. Forbes named Vladimir Putin the most powerful man in the world. And his singular objective is literally world domination. And I know that sounds cartoonish, but that is what he wants. He wants to make Russia the world's leading premier power. He is yeah. not our friend. He is not anybody's friend. He is a deranged mm -hmm. former KBG agent who murders people who disagree with him. He's a very scary man. And frankly, it, it, we should all... Like it should be the single unifying force of the United States of American citizens to stand up to somebody like that. And when when Hillary Clinton called him Putin's puppet in that debate stage, I had chills. And I thought Americans would be like, yes, this little girl from Illinois who grew up with a working class uh, family and a father who was who served and a mother who was a maid grew up to the highest annals of American government and looked this guy in the face and said, no, not you, Putin. She had more courage than Donald Trump ever will. Mm -hmm. And that really thought, I thought people would unify around that. And it's, you know, Putin's a well, bad guy. Sorry. To you that know, point, you know, it, go ahead, Ebony. You know who Putin is friends with is uh, Wendy Dang, who used to be married to Rupert Murdoch, right? Mm -hmm. And Wendy and Ivanka are besties. Nobody <laughs> ever talks about that. They hang out. It's like two degrees of separation. So, That's bizarre. Yeah. Should, should look into that. 
Yeah. I think there's a lot that we should look into with that family and their connections to mm -hmm. to Russia. I mean, Eric Trump even said it that like we oh, we get the money from Russia, like when it comes to building projects that they have. So like, why aren't we looking more into this constantly? You guys, we have been looking. Let me tell you, I've I've written about this. I've, I've done a lot of work on the Huffington Post about this very issue. Donald Trump has been taking all expense paid trips to Russia on the expense of the Russian government since the 1980s. Okay. He has a long noted history with Russia. And then he has had done interviews as recently as 2014 when he was just a reality TV show star saying that he has a personal relationship with Vladimir Putin. And then magically during the 2016 debates says that he doesn't know Vladimir Putin's never met him, never heard of him. His, his dishonesty about that fact should be telling to the American electorate about what kind of relationship do you have with Russian oligarchs and with Vladimir Putin and, uh, and why, and what are, what is in your tax returns, Donald? And I'm glad that the New York, uh, Southern district of New York now has those records. I think, I think a lot of people though, do feel like, do have a hard time imagining that this really is the vast Russian conspiracy that it is, but it really is, you know, it's a known fact that the Russians play the long game, trying to cultivate Americans and, and just people in other Western countries that they think might have a chance of being somebody someday so that they play the long con with those folks so that if, and, and they invest a lot of their manpower into it. And so that if one or two of those become somebody, they can leverage that person. They can use that person. It's a thing they've been doing for decades and decades. There, somebody, uh, Rebecca Murphy commented, I wouldn't be surprised if Russia wants to invade more countries. They do. They've been playing this con. This has been the Russian ideology for hundreds of years. Infiltrate co- cultures near and far, start absorbing them, and eventually um, become one massive, massive country. That's that's really, they believe that it's their right. Just like, just like Manifest Destiny was a thing as America was expanding across the West, that's exactly how Russia feels about the entire globe. Amen. I, yeah, I'm tired. <laughs> um, you know, and speaking of, of kind of where we're going with disinformation on Fox News, on some one of the bullshit talk shows that they have uh, attorney. Yeah, pretty much all of them. But it was one of the one of the more extreme ones. I think Life, Liberty and the guy's name. Oh. And I forget. And I won't even grow. I won't even give him the glory. OK, um, Bill Barr appeared. Uh. Uh, in in an interview and said a lot of things this week about um about kind of the democratic position kind of calling us fascistic and saying that we were that we didn't care about uh any of the norms or any of the the rule of law or anything like that Uh, we were bolsheviks i think yeah i think pretty much that like reality isn't real to some of these people and we're turning into this or we're turning the corner into this time when they are just going to kind of gaslight us and turn everything around um did you guys catch this did it did it make you sick to your stomach i can't really watch bill barr but i i want to know what you guys think ebony you I shook was, your head i was yelling at this it's yelling at the screen it's all opposite day it's they they it's their tell they project right so mm-hmm. they're the fascists they're the you know the right wingers but they they he turns it around he's a scary guy he really scares yeah. me because he's smart and uh, he he doesn't look that scary, which is always really scary. Uh, he's he's he was a bully also uh, growing up in New York City. He used to do really terrible things to people. He and his brothers. And uh, he really yes yes. What do you know? What things he, he would did? put people in lockers and like give them like arm burns, like mean 
you know, uh. teenage bully things. But it was, uh, I think, a trio of Bar Brothers, and they were they were scary. Yeah, you can tell. You can tell they have that like, or he has that smug look on his face, like he's just completely impugned and will never face any kind of judgment. But we're hoping that obviously um, that something happens. I mean, he did also face Kamala, and she was eviscerated him, relentless. So if you want, good. If if you want to watch the Bill Barr interview and get like really angry, and then you want to switch to the other side, just watch. Oh, I wish we had a clip. I know, and hmm. like I said, shaking all all week. What we'll do is next week when you join us, we will talk about more about um, the future vice president of the United States, Kamala Harris, and we will bring some clips to the table where we can kind of display just how good she she is as a senator and how good she's going to be as vice president. And can I just say really quickly about Bill Barr that? Do you guys, like, regardless of what your political affiliation is, and I know we've become so divided as a country that anything that I say is going to be viewed as innately disqualified by someone who's a conservative and vice versa. We do it to each other. But can I just say that regardless of your political affiliation, regardless of who the attorney general is, if there is an executive member of the executive branch who gets on national television and derides members of the opposing party, that elected official who is tasked with representing all Americans and the rule of law is not fit or qualified to be in that position. And it is deeply troubling. Okay. That means that he's targeting the adversaries of his, of his, uh, of his boss and representing his boss and not the rule of law in America. I find it very troubling that he went in on the, in, in that interview and started saying that Democrats were this and Democrats are bad. It was really disgusting and beneath the dignity. And God, can we get some dignity and the rule of law back into the White House, please? Yes, ma'am. And who do we think will be a good attorney general? My vote is for Doug Jones. Huh. <laughs> uh, why are you assuming he's not going to be in the Senate? He might be. But that's okay. Okay, you've uh, checked me. Okay, how about we manifest greatness here? Okay, let's do how it. About let's do it. But also, Clinton to replace Ruth Bader Ginsburg on the Supreme Court. That would be fucking amazing. Be brilliant. Yeah, oh my god, I I think Susan Rice yeah. is going to be Secretary of State. I think so too, actually. That's interesting. Okay, uh, Gina <laughs> Panicia Grant says that she agrees <laughs> that Barr is run by Trump. You have to wonder what they have on him, and you have to wonder what they have on Lindsey Graham too. Yes. Oh, yeah, G. let's talk about replacing people in the Senate because um, yeah. actually there was a poll that came out this week that put um, put Jamie Harrison, who is Graham's challenger in South Carolina, tied with Lindsey Graham. Um, do we think that this could be like maybe yeah. the the dark horse that's going to pull out a win? South Carolina is possible. Yes. We are yeah. from the same town in South Carolina. I think he's my distant cousin. Have I told you this? Aww. Jamie? I've got really? some more Ancestry.com, but everybody in the town's related. So I oh. think- I mean, it is South Carolina. Yeah, it's Orangeburg. Says, says someone Carolina. from East Tennessee. Like, I'm not throwing shade. Like, listen, my parents are both from- Listen, true story. My parents are both from West Virginia. They found out on their wedding day they were sixth cousins. Yeah. <gasps> okay. Yeah. Well, well, I'm Persian, yeah. and I have <laughs> no idea what you're talking about. So. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay, but so, like, here's the thing. If you're listening to this right now and you haven't donated money to Jamie Harrison's campaign, do so. Because especially if the Republican base is demoralized in any way, he has a real chance. 
he has a real chance. And he's also a really incredible guy. Like he's an incredible candidate. He would be a fantastic senator and he's young. He's got a lot of energy. He could be in that office for decades and making a real difference. I will say my college roommate lives in Charleston, uh, South Carolina, and he sent me a text today where he was getting mailers that are completely trashing Lindsey Graham that are not coming from the Harrison campaign. So there is a, and he's seeing lawn signs and he, he's feeling like there's definitely a movement against Lindsey Graham happening in South Carolina. Mm. So I don't know, tickets, splitters, it could happen. Honestly, I think there's, there's, there's also this piece of, they all watched him hate Trump and they all watched Mm. him love Trump. And I think that, you know, there's something to be said for, I mean, it's true that Republicans will get behind their person no matter what often, but Southerners don't abide um, backstabbers very well. So I think that their opinion of him as a person has just got to be so low at this point. And I think polling bears this out, that their opinion of him as a person is low. And, and I think that might be enough for them to not support him anymore. And you know what? We can talk about this with Jamie when Ebony brings her cousin on to the read down. Uh, all you got to do is connect through Ancestry. I know I've been on there. The things you find. Like- I love that Ryan's like Southerners do not abide backstabbers because like the rest of us do. I mean, backstabbing. Yeah. Don't you know? But there's, but there's a certain pride I think that comes from, you know, I mean, like I, as a new Englander, like I know that if we saw that quality in a Senator from Massachusetts, we would certainly, you know, we would certainly fight against that. Mm-hmm. There is a lot of pride that comes from being from you know, your home state. And when you see that representation in the Senate, when you see that it's no longer really representing you, but it's representing just one person in power that, that doesn't do it for people. So I also wonder if like one person from, we've got one person from Massachusetts and that's this one. We've got yeah. one person from Tennessee. We've got one person from Connecticut and we've got one person from California. California love. We are the whole country right here. We are America. I mean, yeah. No no Midwest. Well, before it's time for us to close out and get into the library. This is our chance to really just kind of let it go and talk about what we want to talk about. I am excited for this segment because this mm. is really when we rip loose and we talk about whatever we want. So the library is open. I don't want to put all the pressure on our guest, on our special guest this week, uh, Ebony. So I'm going to give you a moment to think about it. And I'm going to send it over to our friend, Alex Mohajer, who already teased what he wanted to discuss. Well, look, here's the deal. Um, It's about Kamala Harris and her detractors. Like there was something that happened in 2016 when there were people on our side who once Hillary Clinton won the nomination, I mean, people who were generally left won the nomination and they immediately started lambasting her and didn't even take a moment to show some grace for what this woman just accomplished. This woman just became the first female major party nominee of a president for president of the United States in 2016. And none of us took a moment to just put our politics aside and our preferences about policy points to stop and say, wow, Hillary Clinton did something profound for women today. And I get moved when I talk about this because I am not a woman and I was moved by what that by that. And now today, Kamala Harris has become the first 
black woman to be on a presidential ticket for a major party in the United States. So can we stop for a moment and put our politics aside and our policy preferences and whether we're progressive or moderate or whether we are far left or far right or whether we wanted her or Elizabeth Warren, can we stop for a minute and take a moment to acknowledge what history was made today? and what history we have, a moment of an opportunity to make in November and what it would mean. Maybe it doesn't mean anything specific to you, but try and imagine what it means for so many other people who finally have someone that looks like them, who's someone who represents them and someone who represents all of us because it is distinctly American to celebrate what makes us different and to have us be a melting pot that comes together and leads us. I couldn't be more proud of Kamala Harris today. I, you know, like I didn't vote for Kamala Harris in the primary, but I'll tell you that I'm so deeply proud to be a Californian, to be an American, to, to be a Democrat today. And that's what I'll say today for my library reading. Mm. Thank you, Alex. I know, I love the the Kamala pride. I feel, oh, I really feel it. And I can't wait to talk about that a little bit when I get to my moment, but I wanna kick it over to our special guest, Ebony Murphy-Root. Ebony, the library is yours. So I want to give a talking to to Chris Dodd uh, from my state of Connecticut. Ah! Uh, last week, he was not very kind about Kamala. And he was in the ear of Biden trying to say, don't pick that woman. She's too ambitious. She won't be on your side. And, uh, you know, Connecticut had Griswold versus, uh, uh, Griswold versus Connecticut, which gave us birth control in 1965. We had a female governor in El Grasso. We had Jody Ralph. Uh, and so for, for Chris Dodd to try to throw a woman under the bus at this moment in time, I don't think I will ever be able to forgive him for that. I am upset. And next time I go to Connecticut, I might have to, uh, you know, send a sternly worded email. So Chris Dodd, that was wrong what you did. I will not forget it. And also to the women who are mad at Kamala because she's not a mother. You also are getting a sternly worded email from Ebony. Not cool. You do not have to be a mother to care about the next generation of our country. And so those two, Chris Dodd and folks who are mad at Kamala Harris because she's not a mother. Mm. She's a stepmother and an aunt. Yes, she is. I just wanna... yes. That's right. Also, she is. Try to hide your deeply misogynistic views, you pieces of shit. Yeah. 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 Self-loathing yeah, the... is real. These things do not qualify people to care any more or less about uh, about others. And I think that's that's something that, again, mm. I'm going to touch on, but I'm going last. So I am going to take <laughs> it over. It. Yes, I'm going to. This is, this is my house. Okay. Well, I'm sitting in my house, but like everybody is. <laughs> in their own, whatever. We're going to hand it over to Ryan. Down. <laughs> ah, okay. So look, um, I uh, one thing that we are not talking enough about is what's happening to Hong Kong right now. So um, yesterday, uh, the police arrested pro-democracy media mogul Jimmy Lai. Um, he runs Apple Daily, which is a, a pro-democracy uh, publication. Um, uh, and and this is all under the guise of a new law that, that, that mainland China has forced onto Hong Kong that essentially does away with the one country, two systems system. It essentially makes it possible for Beijing to come for people. Whereas before it, there was like this pretense of um, democracy in Hong Kong and there was some relative autonomy. The the Beijing now has the power because of this, this new law that to disappear anybody they want from Hong Kong. Um, you know, so what really frustrates me 
is that with all the other things going on in the world, we're barely doing anything about it. The, the, the international order isn't doing anything about it. And what really pisses me off is that if Donald Trump hadn't pulled out of the TPP, if Donald Trump hadn't tried to use China as a prop for his own poll numbers by now, he would actually be in a position to do something about it. And he might even be motivated to because the intelligence community has told him, uh, you know, things that might have motivated him to do it. So so he could be doing something about it right now. Um, uh, the UN could be doing something about it right now. But all anybody is doing is putting out tersely worded statements about how this is wrong. And this is how democracy dies. One slow, small step at a time. And people continue to defer taking action, defer doing something serious about it, defer making meaningful, painful punishment happen for those trying to kill democracy. It's something that's true in our country, something that we should be aware that we let happen, letting our democracy die slowly. And we can see it over the pond in Hong Kong. So I encourage anybody who's listening to this or watching this to write to your congressmen and senators and ask them to do something about it. Ask them to force our government to do something about it. Because you know what? This will become normal soon. And the democracy that once was Hong Kong will just become a part of history soon. And when democracy dies anywhere, it starts to die everywhere. We need to do something about it before it's too late. And that's my read. Thank you, Ryan. Oh, I like to zoom in and zoom out. It's fine. Yeah, I'm trying to go you know technical what? difficulties what? Before, before we before i go i just want to share that uh meg said ivanka's a mother and she doesn't give a shit about others so That's you know true. what that and that goes right to that point that ebony made about um about that so my moment is here's the thing okay i was in a target this weekend which is you know pretty much par for the course for me on any given weekend, but I was in Target and Eagle Rock and I saw a man uh, who was a bit younger than me, just completely covered in Trump gear. And I thought to myself, this is incredibly out of place here in Eagle Rock. Uh, I know that our friend Alex yelled at a Trump pop-up in Irvine and I wanted to channel that energy and I wanted to bring it, but I was just so thrown by it. And I came to discover that there was a walk-away rally in West Hollywood in the gayest neighborhood in the United States. Uh, a walk-away rally from the Democratic Party that drew a lot of people who look like they certainly don't live in West Hollywood, like they came from other places in order to come and march uh, down Santa Monica Boulevard and sell their Trump gear. And that brought me to a discussion that I had with my old roommate from New York, who is currently, because he's furloughed, he works on Broadway and he's furloughed and living with his mother in Michigan, and he is seeing Trump signs everywhere. He said he could throw a rock and hit 12 in just in his neighborhood alone. I think That's that a, there an is... Arm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's pretty strong. Anyway, um, <laughs> I think that there is something to be said for merch. I personally am not the type of person who is going to go buy a Joe Biden, Kamala Harris shirt. And you want to know why? Because every candidate that I have purchased clothing for has lost. I have put bumper stickers on my car. I had a Hillary sticker. I put a Warren sticker over it. And listen, they didn't win. My roommate was very astute in bringing that up to me and saying, every time you, you buy a piece of merchandise for a candidate, they don't win. So I am going to withhold those dollars for right now. I'm going to donate them to the campaign instead of buying merchandise. But I, 
I advise that if you are on board with us, if you are riding with Biden and you are excited about Kamala Harris, please support them by buying merchandise, buy signs, put them in your lawn, show that you support these candidates. Because the more that we show that we are supporting them, the more eyes get on their names, the more people come around to understanding that this is the choice that we should be making in November or earlier, because actually we should be voting in October. So that's kind of my, it's not really a read, but it's more a light suggestion that because I am <laughs> jinxed, I am cursed, and I cannot buy this merch, um, I am hoping that you'll go out and support the Biden-Harris campaign. So that is my read for today and this has been the read down i want to thank everybody for joining us we are so excited and look at ebony Yay. has all of her stuff now but come on has anyone like walked down a street and seen like a uh joe like a, a bumper sticker for another candidate and been like you know what that bumper sticker just put me over the top you know i feel like no, but we should we should pay but, attention to the fact that this election is different. And I agree with you, Jonathan. Yeah. I think we should publicly voice our support for this candidate. Yeah, it is important. Should. Whatever that but, looks like for you. But I am not dis I am not dismayed or swayed by these Trump pop-ups. I think it's just a couple of rabble rousers. Mm -hmm. and, uh, <laughs> well, I do want to say because you know, I yeah, I, I am not I don't think that that is necessarily the sign of a winning campaign per se. I don't necessarily think that that means that they are that they're going to get it, but it does I, I want to see more Biden pride. I want to, I want to see that out there. So I'm just kind of encouraging people to use the money they don't have that uh, Trump has taken away from them from unemployment and buy some bumper stickers and t-shirts. Okay. <laughs> yeah, there we go. So, um, I, so I want to thank everybody for <laughs> this episode of the read down our guest, Ebony Murphy root Ebony. How do we find you out there? Um, I'm on Instagram as Ebony, absolutely, and I'm on Twitter as the real Ms. Murphy, or just Google me. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm easy to find. Brilliant. Thank you guys so much. This has been the Read Down. We are a production of the Stonewall Democratic Club, and if you are interested in joining the Stonewall Democratic Club, you can join for as little as $25 a year and find out more about what we are doing in this election and beyond at www.stonewalldems.org. You can follow us on our socials. If you like what you are watching, we are here every Tuesday at 6 p.m. Pacific time. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel, like us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and we will see you around. Bye.